1: When I was in Canton, I met Scott Graham. He does work with NFL Films. He does work with uh, Westwood One. And so he had kind of the same experience, a little bit, that, that we did going down there, Gary Ellison and myself. We got to see our colleague, Leroy Butler, who does the uh, midday show here. And Scott, you got to see Tony Veselli go in, your colleague at Westwood One. Good to talk to you again. Great weekend, I think, overall. How did everything work out for you?
3: It was terrific. And it was, you know, exactly what you would hope it would be for, you know, we're there every year because we're broadcasting the game on Westwood one. And we're there every year because we are taking the time to sit down with hall of famers as many as we can uh, in order to have interviews for the shows that we do during the course of the season, specifically NFL insider. But the fact that Tony was going in this year just made it that much more special. and you know, the fact that we not only got a chance to to see him experience it but see him revel in it. I, I mean, you know just the joy on his face the night of the gold jacket dinner when he walked through the gauntlet, and the the look on his face as he was you know standing up on that stage and getting the gold jacket and through his speech, and then you know we were my colleagues and i were all fortunate enough to get invited to his party and it was you know it was just a celebration of a guy who his contribution to the nfl for a long time was misunderstood because it was so short because of injury and you know he was the dominant player at his position for a period of time a guy played less than half a decade and was named mm-hmm. to the all decades team of the 1990s but on top of all of that he is just terrific guy a terrific person a great colleague uh fun to be around and to be there and experience all of that with him while we were doing the job we do every year anyway just made it that much more special
1: yeah it is so cool you know i you know being an nfl fan you watch all these guys get in and it's all this guy affected me this way as a fan this guy affected me this way as a fan and yes you know i work with Leroy, and you work with tony but i think Leroy's case why Packer fans were so excited about him getting in, was because Leroy really is a guy that in the Milwaukee area. I mean, you might run into him at ten o'clock in the morning somewhere, and then you might also run into him at five o'clock in the afternoon. So he is always out everywhere. Everybody's got their different Leroy stories. And as you and I were talking a little bit uh, on uh, Saturday, what we were airing back that day on the show was Leroy doing an interview with Tony Baselli, which happened. They they talked a few uh, months ago. So 90 minutes beforehand, we were able to bring that to people. And those two, I think, you know, Leroy had the Jacksonville. That's where he grew up. Tony playing there. And then both being on one of the all nineties teams and both having to try to like, you know, wait to get in a little bit. The one thing I always told Leroy, and it's true with, uh, Tony Baselli too, is that you did what you did. And now you wait, you can't change your resume. It's just, it's up for this, this committee, to finally put you in, and I think both of the guys, as they were waiting and hoping and wondering, I think that they both kind of handled it in a great way, which made this weekend, you know, all the more special for both of them.
3: It did, and it also made it special because each year we're at the Super Bowl, and each year, uh, up until the some of the changes that have been made by the Hall of Fame now, it was one of those deals where the finalists were there and were you know, locked into their hotel room and waiting for a knock. And Tony did that a number of times, and the knock never came. And each year that would happen on Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl, and then he would go out and be the sideline reporter on Sunday. And people would be expressing their condolences and telling him to keep his chin up because, you know, it was something that was going to happen for him eventually someday. And, and we had to watch that disappointment every year and felt that disappointment Man. with him every year. So the joy that it happened, and by the way, the Hall of Fame made, uh, Anthony Munoz and I were talking about this the other day, the Hall of Fame made a great change. The idea now that somebody who is of some relevance to you, uh, whether it be somebody that you looked up to as a player or somebody, whatever the case may be, the fact that that person is coming to where you live or to some place where you happen to be and giving you the knock um, and not having it be as staged as it was in the past, was a great touch. And, you know, Anthony Munoz said to me, you know, if I could have had somebody who I played with or somebody that, you know, I held up in high regard when I was younger, be the person to give me the knock, I would have loved that opportunity. He was thrilled as a former USC offensive lineman to be able to do it for Tony It was a complete surprise to Tony. So it was, it's like the opposite of what they had been doing in the past. And it's a great change. They're, they're, they're trying to do things the right way there and continue to move forward. And, And, and I guess the first one of these that I ever attended and did was back in 2010, it's been leaps and bounds watching that whole experience move forward over the last decade or so.
1: I think Leroy was a finalist. He's been a finalist a couple of times as we're talking to Scott Graham, Westwood one, uh, so he did the knock once because then there was COVID. And then, so now they kind of changed it because of it, which is a, you know, silver lining. But Leroy's in his hotel room and he gets a knock on his hotel door. And it was Antonio Freeman, his old teammate, who was like, he was supposed to be there that day. And so they, so I just, I can't believe that. And then Tony's there and he's got to go through it all that. I can't believe they ever had that archaic process to begin with. You're right. What they're doing now is so much better.
3: And it's, and it's, it's, it's just more freeing. It's, it doesn't put as much emphasis on the fact that a finalist didn't make it. It puts more emphasis on the, the ones who did make it. Uh, And, and, you know, it's, it was a great experience. It was a fun weekend. It was a culmination of a a long process for Tony and for Leroy. And each year, you know, unless you're a first-timer, first ballot Hall of Famer, or near a first ballot Hall of Famer, there are always stories about guys who have been waiting their turn a few years back when Jerry Kramer finally got in. I I mean, it's it's always a nice story when that moment finally arrives. It's always tough for those who are are playing the waiting game, but, you know, you, you cross your fingers and you hope, and then after we're done, we move on, and we've got ourselves an NFL season ahead of us. And the fact that that's always the kickoff to the NFL season, you know, preseason games starting this week, it's an awful lot of fun. You know, what I didn't
1: realize is, so that was my first time in Canton and uh, definitely hope to go back. I didn't get enough museum time as I would have hoped for, but was able to see the bust and, and, you know, all the Roy stuff and a couple of different other things I wanted to see. I actually spent more time in the gift shop, to be honest, than I did in the, uh, of course, there's a lot, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Uh, And I bought a lot of good stuff. And I didn't know this at the time, media had 20% discount. So I took advantage of that
3: for sure. There there you go.
1: But I didn't realize, like, so I know the Packers were there a few years ago against the Colts, and then they never played that game because the field was so rough. And there's been a lot of enhancements, like the hotel that the guys stayed at had to be refurbished. I didn't realize that the NFL was thinking about leaving Canton, not the Hall of Fame, but leaving Canton for the enshrinement ceremony I think the fact that there's a Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, that Cooperstown's on the map because of a Hall of Fame, and Canton's on the map because of this Hall of Fame, I think the way that this small town kind of just embraces and envelops everything that happens this weekend, I would hate for that to see uh, to see that taken away.
3: I would, too. I think it's, you know, I think the Hall of Fame itself has, you know, again, everything's expanded. There, you know, the, the induction ceremony used to be on the steps and way back when, 1970s, that small round building was the only thing that was there. That and the high school football field next to it. Um, it it's It's been an expanding world for them. And it's, you know, we didn't see a, a massive takeover this week. You know, there there are years when you get some of the first ballot guys or specifically years where there are Cleveland Browns or Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers travel very well for these types of things. Where the town has just taken over, it was not overrun uh, this week. It, it was a, a smaller crowd than we've seen some in the past, but and that small town aspect of it, it you know, it, it, there's parts of it that kind of struggle to hold when the massive crowds come. I can see people having concerns about that, but it hasn't been a problem to this point. And you know, again, I think it's just a uh, it's a quaint portion of the game that because that's where its roots came from, that that's where it ought to stay.
1: Anything else, uh, you know, broad question, but really stick out to you over the weekend. I think that obviously Bryant Young's speech was, you know, kind of tough to witness. Uh, and then uh, Tony's speech was great. Dick Vermeil. I thought what was cool about Dick Vermeil was during the gold jacket dinner, when Dick Vermeil was getting presented by different quarterbacks, he had at different stops, whether it was Kurt Warner, uh, Ron Jaworski, and then Trent Green. I think the it's cool to see a player get in, but now, and they're trying to get more assistant coaches in. I think over the next couple of years, it's cool to see players that are already in be able to welcome their coach, the guy that helped them. It's cool to see that. That that's something that stuck out to me that I wasn't expecting.
3: I loved it. I love the I love Dick's walk through the gauntlet because it was pure, pure, unadulterated joy on his face, um, and just you know the the, the and. He's going down the line and there's guys who played for him for different teams that are giving him hugs on his way up to get his gold jacket. We were in the hotel, the, the the Hall of Famers Hotel, which is where we camp out for you know the interviews that we get over the course of the week. And right before we were going over to the gold jacket dinner, here pops Andy Reid in the door. Andy didn't have anything to do with with any of it, with you know, he had he had nothing to do with the Hall of Fame this week. He specifically came in to congratulate Dick Vermeil flew in to congratulate Dick Vermeil because, you know, their paths had crossed over the years, and both had been Eagles head coaches, both had been Chiefs head coaches. But, you know, it, it's moments like that that are just, they're fun and they're special, um, and they're emotional too, and I agree with you. That, you know, when you see a coach get in and the coach can reach back, and <laughs> the funny part is Dick apparently had his his party on Saturday night, and he was taking group pictures he had you know one group picture with the eagles who were there one that, with the rams that were there one with the chiefs that were there one with the ucla players that were there and a group picture of six from the high school that he used to coach at <laughs> he had six of the coaches all, all 75 or older did their group picture at his party the other night too it's it's moments like that that make you smile and again like i said it's a marvelous kickoff to you know i am I'm crunching numbers now all week because I do the Eagles preseason games on TV. So it's, it's it's off to work now, and then the entire schedule kicks in and the excitement of the season kicks in. This is a great way to kick it off.
1: Yeah, Dick Vermeil's the youngest looking 85 year old I've ever seen. We <laughs> were at uh, the hotel. We were at one of his teammates from uh, college was there, and the guys like like Saturday we got back to the hotel and I'm you know I was cashed. And this guy's like, yeah, I'm gonna get a quick nap and then go party all night." I was like, "Gee, yep. this this vermel this vermel circle, they really know how to do it uh, do it right." So it was a great weekend. Uh, good to meet you. Good to you know catch up with everybody that was there. What is your so I gotta ask, like, what is your NFL Films schedule? Because if you're listening, you're like, "Oh, I know this voice. I know this voice." Scott Graham, Westwood One does some stuff with uh, NFL Films. How much do you do for the NFL throughout the season? And you used to do great. the Puppy Bowl. I mean, maybe people are like, hey, is that, I, I, how how often does that, I'm asking nine questions here, but how often does that happen where someone's standing next to you, they hear you order a sandwich and they're like, do I know you?
3: It it, it happens from time to time, it does. And um, the, you know, the puppy bowl thing came to an end a couple of years ago. I, I, I like telling people I have to be the only person in the entire world who ever lost a job to Martha Stewart and Snoop Dogg. Um, <laughs> but, I, you know, I... The NFL Films thing has gone on. This is going to be my 20th season, and it's it's been a great relationship. Uh, I got to, to narrate Game of the Week inside the NFL, a number of other shows for them. The big-ticket shows now, more often than not, are narrated by actors. That trend started, uh, I would imagine, maybe five to ten years ago that it became You know, the larger name actors are getting their opportunity to do this type of thing, but there's still a ton of stuff that I do for them. Uh, You'll see me on commercials that are produced by NFL films and individual snippets. The other thing that I do for them that uh, I didn't even buy, I, I didn't get the opportunity because I was busy this week, but I've, that I've done for them is if you go through the kiosks in the hall of fame, my voice is on just about every one of them. And it's because NFL films produces that for them. So Um, it's, that's a busy thing for me, but it's been a a marvelous relationship. Steve Sable was the greatest inspiration of my career. Um, and then, you know, I, like I said, I will be, I will be on the air on Thursday nights and Sunday nights and, uh, with the individual shows that I do and all, all season long and right on through the playoffs and the Super Bowl.
1: Well, we'll have to catch up again, if you don't mind, maybe when the Packers are on one of these games, because there's it's going to be a fun weekend. I don't know what it is. I, I mean, I've loved the NFL my whole life, but this year, just, I don't know. I, I'm more excited for it than ever before. So definitely want to catch up with you again.
3: Absolutely. Anytime.
1: Well, appreciate it. Thanks for uh, the introduction. Good to talk to you, Scott. Thanks so much. Take care. Be well. Scott Graham joining us from uh, Westwood One.